You can hear Anton Frank performing live at the Leicester Square Theatre at 8.30 on Monday, the 7th of May. He's performing at my show, which is called Stand Up Tragedy. Use the promo code TRAGIC if you're buying tickets in advance. It's going to be great. It's going to have music. It's going to have comedy. It's going to have fiction. It's going to have true story. And it's all going to be tragic. Everything in it is tragic. It's a show that I run. It's a show I'm very proud of. As far as we know, there could only be two more shows of it ever in existence. So if you were going to come along and you haven't come yet, come along on Monday the 7th. Hopefully see you there. If I do, talk to me. You can maybe be on Getting Better Acquainted. How do you like them apples? And now, on with the show. I'm still kind of like scratching the surface, I think, still. I can kind of see the light, but I'm not sure where it's coming from yet. Not as yet. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better. Better. Better acquainted with you. So today we're getting better acquainted with Anton. Anton Frank, in fact. Hello. Hi there. (laughs) Good morning. I put myself off with my own introduction. So we're going to call you Anton Frank, which is your stage name, I guess. Okay, it is, yeah. That's cool, you can call me Anton Frank or just Anton. Well, I'll call you Anton generally, but I mean on the actual write-up. So today we're getting better acquainted with Anton Frank. I guess that is quite an interesting question to ask. I didn't intend to, but Anton Frank, it's not your surname. No, it isn't, no. And why did you choose Frank? Because I'm quite a big fan of football. Okay. And uh, one of my favourite football players is Frank Lampard. From oh, Chelsea. right. That's a footballer that I've heard of, which is rare. Okay. <laughs> so I've taken his first name as my surname. The story was I was in a cafe in, in next to Trafalgar Square, and I was thinking, oh, I need a stage name, because my surname didn't sound right for the kind of like English crowd. Yeah. I was just going through the paper, saw his name, I thought, like, kind of like him, like this team. And that's how I got my, my name. Well, that's Frank. how long have you been living with with being Anton Frank. Since end of 2009. Okay, Anton yeah. Frank is a few years old. Yeah, yeah. How do you know me? Yeah, I know you through preference through Steve. Yeah, I who I know is Harv, so it's confusing. Every oh, time yeah. you say Steve, I'm like, hang on, that's Harv. So you know Steve, or Harv. I was looking for people to do PR and uh, social media stuff for Stand Up yeah, Tragedy. Right. Yeah. So this is actually the second time <coughs> we've met physically. Correct, yeah, that's true. <laughs> So we're going to get proper better acquainted. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's quite early in the morning, uh, on a Sunday morning, in fact. Anton's not been very well the last few weeks, so uh, we might take a little bit of time to get warmed up. Yeah, it's been dreadful. <laughs> not sure I'll survive this winter. That's what you said, yeah. Hopefully you will, I think you will. Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> it's not long now till the end of the winter, at least. I'm counting down the days. Near, we're near the end of January now. I think it's going to get colder though, pretty soon. That's that's what they're saying. Yeah, they have been saying that. I like it when it snows, but only when it stops everything. I don't like it when it's like half, half and half, and you have to go through the cold to work and be miserable in work. Mm. It snows right for when you can stay inside in the, by the fireplace or go out and build a snowman, but it's not it's not a situation to be working in. Really? No, I actually like snow just be, when it's snow outside is good. It's um, it's a lot brighter. It just makes you kind of a little bit more relaxed and happier. Yeah. 
Because when it's just grey outside, it's boring. So we have very grey winters here. Yeah. You're right. And but they're quite warm, which is a plus side, I think. I guess so. I, I kind of like, I like winter more than I like summer in some ways. But then I also, recently I've been finding the darkness just a bit too oppressive. I think I would like winter, but long days, like light long days where oh, yeah. it's cold and crisp. That would be my ideal. But yeah, in the UK, people talk about weather a lot, I guess. It's a bit of a cliche, but I guess it's because we have quite changeable weather. But we'll get on to where you come from originally in a bit. What do you do now? Okay, I'm a musician. I write songs, produce them, record them, play them live. Yeah. That sort of thing. I also do a bit of PR on the side for for a new wonderful startup called Stand Up Tragedy. <laughs> We're going to have a few shows at Leicester Square. It's going to be massive. And that's a show that I've set up and I'm running and I'm really pleased. Hang on, really? You. Yeah. A, you didn't know that. It's a, a surprise. I'm really pleased to have you on, on the team. Oh, it's, been, it's been thank great. It's been, it's been nice to sort of be sort of sat there seeing things that I'm doing, promoting themselves on Facebook and Twitter and thinking, oh, I'm not doing that. That's amazing. It's like, uh, it's like magic. As you know, I have a lot of projects myself. So I just... I needed to find someone to handle it for this one, and you, oh, cool. you, so far you're doing a great job. Well, you're welcome. Right, let's get into it. So I'm, I'm pretty much going to follow the suggestions that you <coughs> sent me. Some of them are, are things I, d I talked to you about before anyway. You're not originally from the UK. I told you that. No, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm not. Well, I've been to UK for over eight years now. Just over eight years. Yeah. He originally from uh, Latvia. My parents are... Russians. My mum was born in Latvia, well, in the Soviet Union, in the Latvian Republic, and my dad was born in Russia, and he moved to Latvia, and I was born in Latvia, so I'm kind of half Russian, half Latvian. Bit, so bit you, Latvian. Have you got dual citizenship then of uh, both countries? No, I only have Latvian citizenship. Okay. You can't really have two in Latvia. And Latvia was part of the Soviet Union. It was, yeah. And now it's not? It, it is not. The, the Soviet Union doesn't exist anymore. I know that, yeah. <laughs> I'm aware of that. <laughs> um, when you were born, was Latvia part of the Soviet Union? Yeah, it was a part of the Soviet Union. I was basically born in the Soviet Union, not yeah. just in Latvia. When I'm saying I was born in the Soviet Union, some people would react really strongly to that in Latvia. I'm not. I was born in the Soviet Union. People in Latvia, they're proud to be independent now. Yeah, very proud to be independent, which is cool. She's fine. I'm, I'm glad that Latvia is independent right now. It's just uh, I don't like. Uh, I feel very concerned when people take for granted uh, the many things that've been brought in into Latvia by the Soviet Union. All the industries and the massive improvements that've been done in Latvia by the Soviet Union. It, it's a fact. Cause yeah. Right now, Latvia has lost a lot of industries. Well, it went from having a big <coughs> in infrastructure around exactly, it to yes. having to do everything That's what I was trying all to say, on its yeah. own. Yeah. How did you experience the change from being part of the Soviet Union to being independent? I was 12, so I was quite young still, so it probably would be quite hard to say exactly what I felt because I was still a teenager I had my own problems yeah exactly apart from countries changing it was weird the first couple of years it was pretty much the same with the Soviet Union just a lot of talk but overall the change was there was a lot of I should say probably anger and there was a lot of complications between the two different societies that lived in Latvia at that time I think as well yeah apart from the economical situation which went down completely uh, there was no jobs and 
by no jobs, I mean no jobs, there were jobs that would employ you and say we'll pay you. Uh, the a, we'll pay you in the future. Yeah. Because the, the system was changing and uh, it, that's, the, that's the worst time to live in, I guess. Even if it's changing for the better, you never know what it's changing for what. Uh, but during that time, it's one of the hardest times because everything's just abnormal completely. No one knows what's going to happen. And this is the time when everybody can, well, not everybody, sorry, when some people can abuse the system. Like, and uh, cause there was a lot of practically saying like money stolen from the government. Yeah, crime happens a yeah. lot in an unstable yeah, exactly. society, absolutely. So you were 12 when it changed. Mm -hmm. And the two different kinds of society that you're talking about, is that a more Western-influenced and a more communism-influenced kind of attitude? Is that what you mean? Uh, or is there a religious element? Because or... I don't know anything about it. It wasn't really like a religious element. It was more changed from the socialist, uh, communist society to more Western society. But in a way that Latvia wasn't always the typical part of the Soviet Union. It was slightly towards the West because... Latvia, Lithuania and Estonia, those were the parts that were slightly different in a way, in, a, in an attitude, I think, between the people. And, yeah, so Latvia was slightly different to start with, but the change was that everybody just thought we're going to be a capitalist country now, so we can just change everything and like, like we're going to be bad to each other, let's just steal from each other. In a way, that didn't happen in the long run. After 20 years, I think Latvia is pretty much uh, has a lot of socialist influence on all the structures. Right. And I think it's changing right now towards becoming a more capitalist right. country. And I think, as I see, people doesn't like it and the government itself doesn't like it. We had problems with some parties that were sponsored by oligarchs. Like yeah, the multi-millionaires, billionaires. Yeah. Last year we had to re-elect the parliament because of that, because uh, the majority of the government was against it, so they asked the population of the, of the country if, if, if we want to do the referendum. We did the referendum for the re-election, then we had a re-election as well. Right. So it's it's not, it's like, to me as well, when I moved to England, it was um, completely different, because England is much more capitalist country than Latvia even right now. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, we've had a lot more years <coughs> yeah. practice. Yeah. What I see also Europe is a lot less capitalist, like say France or Germany. Although, well, I'm not even sure if, if they're capitalist countries. What? Germany, France? Germany and France. I think they so. are. They have a different kind of cultural Yeah, attitude. that's what I mean. Yeah, they but they still, are, but they aren't. That's where all well. the banks are, though. I mean, like, I mean, with Germany, well, Germany has a lot of the money in the, uh, really? in the European Union. I don't think... I don't think we can let them off the hook. They are still a capitalist countries, but I, I know what you mean. There is they a cultural difference, yeah, they perhaps. They feel different, not on the good side. Although they don't have a national health service. That was actually an advantage, NHS and um, other things in Britain, comparing to Latvia, because Latvia was such a young country right now, and because everything changed so much, that we didn't have this structure. We had it in the Soviet Union, but then it was completely changed. Right, we're doing everything differently right now. Yeah. So when I moved to England, it was to me like kind of back to the Soviet Union in that aspect. Yeah. Well, that is, is what we used to have. One of the things that I think is really interesting that I've talked to you about last time we've met, I am of the school of thought, which is not very popular sometimes, which is communism didn't exactly 
have a chance to be communism because Stalin perverted it, that what happened in the Russian experiment is not an example of communism necessarily failing, although I'm, I'm not sure it wouldn't fail, but I don't think we've given it a fair go. Mm. And when you use the word communism, everybody just, that's a very negative word. Oh, yeah. um, and people right. like yeah, knock, that, knock how, you back. That, that's how you see it. I mean, sorry, by you I mean them. Um, the people of the West. If exactly. And I'm used to being the person in the room perhaps defending the word communism yeah. or pointing out that Marxism is still worth at least reading and considering mm. even if Stalin was a dictator who killed lots of, you know, killed lots of people, I'm not defending him at all. But for you, communism is much more... A po- what, is it a positive word for you? Right. Okay, uh, I'll be honest with you, because I was, uh, I was only a teenager when the Soviet Union collapsed. Yeah. And uh, you're going to have to imagine that uh, it was a quite a drastic change. I never actually studied Marx or anyone, because yeah. before that I was, I was too young to study. Yeah. And after that it was like a taboo. You, you can't even talk about it. You can't even think about it. Even right now in Latvia, like anything that has to do with communism... Even in theory, it's pretty much you, you might get get a sentence for that or something. It's yeah. very complicated. What I've learned about socialism and communism is uh, based on my experience, where uh, I lived my life in the Soviet Union. That's yeah. it. What I've seen, what I know from my parents. So it's not theoretically. It's not no, theoretically. It's, it's experiential. It's, yeah, pu- purely that. Uh, uh, purely based on my experiences. So what we had in the Soviet Union, although I, I would probably agree that it wasn't exactly socialism, it was uh, based on socialism. There was there was uh, there was something wrong, and uh, it, okay, we were told that we were going to become a communist country, eventually in something like thirty or forty years, which it was portrayed as 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 if everything was going to be free, like in the shops. But then you start thinking, like, how, how come everything's going to be free in the way, well, I'm going to go and take everything. How are people going to control you? But you kind of, which, which is a good thing. It's, it, it's normal to be fair to each other, I think. You don't have to be greedy. What's, what's, what's the whole point being greedy to each other? Unless you, unless you want to be like a really bad person. But anyway, the, the socialism, in my experience, was an interesting and very comfortable structure. We had free medicine, like NHS, and it might come to you as a surprise. It was higher standard in the way where more specialists that would come to you. Like if I was ill at home, I could call and a doctor would have come to see me, not like just like a medical person. We had free medicine, we had free education, and after you graduated from university, you were guaranteed a job for what you've been studying for. Maybe, maybe not exactly in the place that you say you graduated university in St. Petersburg. You probably won't get a job straight away in St. Petersburg. You might have to work somewhere in some really crappy place for a couple of years, but you will be doing what, what you want to do. What do you want to do in your life? What do you, what have you been studying for, for years? You will be doing that and you will not be st- starting like by cleaning the tables. You actually be doing the job. The job. And then after a couple of years, you can move to your more preferred area. But the first few years, you would probably would have to go 
somewhere else. Isn't there always somebody that is cleaning the tables, though? I mean, how was did yeah. from your experience yeah. of it was there a class element like were there people who had to do the rubbish things in society and people who got to do the good things in society i mean yeah of course yeah but that was based on whether you wanted to study at school and then wanted to go to university if you didn't want to go to university well you're restricting yourself uh if you didn't want to study well at school you're restricting yourself even more that's how it was in your experience there was a certain kind of you could do what you wanted within that socialist society that you were living in yeah you're a bit skeptical about how it would have worked if it had finally got to the communist point and you never i wasn't skeptical it was just it was just it, it sounded a bit like a dream like heaven almost <laughs> yeah like yeah it just it just sounded a bit like a like a dream, yeah. If you live through this rubbish thing, you'll finally yeah, get to sort the of, promise yeah, land. Yeah, yeah, kind of. So, uh, but I'm not sure that a lot of people actually believed in that. There were good things, there were bad things, obviously. After you graduated from university, yeah. you could still escape this, like going to a really bad places, or part part of the of the country, like my parents did. They didn't go. They just went back to to Latvia and worked there right. in the industry they studied for. I think there was it was pretty good in study you could grow as a person and then you can actually have a job in what you start been studying for what you're interested in you know what I mean and did that change when did that change when things well changed? yeah well, initially it changed because we still have some universities that are free there's still quite a few but it, Obviously, it's harder to get them now. The change right now, there's the there's there are paid universities that you have to pay for, and there are free universities. Right now, people would probably be choosing the ones that you can just pay, and it would be easier to get a degree. Okay. Than to study more, you know, it's just just the attitude changed as well. And why did you know. why did you come to the UK? Like, what what drove you to come, drive you to to come? Um, here? Well, initially, it was just an adventure. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just that. So 2003, Latvia was still not a part of the European Union, so I had to get a work permit. I was, I was working in uh, bars and waiting tables as well, all that sort of thing. And when you got here, did you find it to be a different, like a different world, a different way of thinking? You s suggested earlier that it was. You find it very capitalist in a way, like the ethos of the capitalist country. and socialist at the same time. In a way, it was. Yeah. It, 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 uh, to be honest with you, it was just completely. It wasn't just like a different country. It was like a different world to me as well. In yeah. Way. It just felt completely different. Well, in what way? Well, I'll be honest with you. The first thing was a very positive thing. It's f a lot more calmer here in the way. People were more relaxed, but you're looking at 2003, not right now. Yeah, yeah, things are less calm now. That's what yeah. I'm saying. It was just something in the air, in the way it was calmer, and everyone was more relaxed, and everything was more comfortable. When I first came, well, 2003, back then in Latvia, everything was kind of like stressed out, as I can imagine right now still. That was a positive side. We went, in Latvia, we went from free medicine to paid medicine. When I moved here, I kind of went back. It was quite, kind of like weird. Yeah. Like, what's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good thing, I think. But it's all changing now, so you never know what we're going to end up with. Well, yeah, 
hopefully we'll keep the NHS, but you're, you're right, everything is changing and I don't even want to think about how things could change. You make music. Mm-hmm. Do you make music in English? All my music is in English. I used to make music in Latvia as well. I actually had a bit of a local success. I had a couple of records released with the label. I played with a few different bands yeah. and nothing major. Latvian show business is pretty small. Well, the country is only two point. I'm not even sure, like 2.1 million right now, so you can imagine. It was a small pond to be in. It wasn't initially because of the music that I moved. Right. I just thought I was able to achieve something in Latvia, and uh, I've been told uh, I was good. I still think think I'm not as good. I've been told that I'm good. So people tell you that you're good, but you don't think you're good. While I'm in England, I thought I might as well give it a try. It's, It's really, there's plenty of opportunities for the musician. In England, that's what I thought. Uh, before I don't try, that's what you I, thought. It, 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 it'd be a waste. No, in a way, it's more exciting. Yeah. Do you think that's true? Now you live here, that there is more opportunities for a musician. In the long run, yes. In the long run. Yeah. Uh, in the short term, I think it's easier to succeed in Latvia. But in the long run, yes. I think there's a lot more musical culture in England as well. I guess because you have the longest history of, say, pop music yeah, and uh, punk the, music and everything. The yeah, infrastructures the here, yeah. And the infrastructures. Yeah. And yeah, you, you, most of the trends started in England, musical genres. Some of them, yeah. We've got quite a history of uh, exporting our music mm. to the biggest market, which is America, because we speak in English and so, yeah. so, do, so do they. So it's easier for an English artist to break America, I think, than someone who sings in, you know, if, if you don't sing in English, you're not going to break America. Okay. But you, you sing in... sing in Spanish. You can't, well, yeah, that's true. That's true. That is true. The people who speak Spanish in America are not necessarily mm. the people who have the money. Uh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, but you're right. So I guess that's one reason why, why, why the UK can be mm. successful. As someone who tries to make music in the UK and tries to get successful in the UK... I can see what you're saying. I think it's probably harder to get heard in the UK, but it's if you're successful, you can get more successful than probably yes, in that, yeah, that yeah. from what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. yeah, that's true. It's not that much of a problem to get on the radio in Latvia. When you're at the good enough level, yeah. you can get on the radio. Here you have to be either very good or you have to know people. Or lucky, yeah. And then and the thing is as well, uh, there's a lot of people trying to do what we do as well. Exactly, yeah. A lot of people. Yeah, yeah, true. How do you find the London music scene? I mean, I kind of came to London to try and tap into the music scene. Mm. I've kind of given up on that a bit now. I'm sort of trying to find other ways of getting heard. For me, it's still an adventure. Yeah. All the music, songwriting and performing, to me, it's all exciting. I want it to be always exciting and it to be an adventure. So you still get a rush yeah. every time you play a gig? Yeah, all That's the time, great. yeah. Uh, you just have to imagine that you're playing at a Wembley. Even yeah, yeah. Well. There, there are so many musicians. Most of the most of the people interested in communicating and uh, talking, exchanging ideas yeah. and playing gigs together and everything. There's also a bad side to it that you can barely or pretty much never get paid for yeah. playing a gig. Yeah. This is the, the worst part. Most of the time when you're playing a gig in Latvia, you will get paid. Even if it's the, the worst place in the world, more than you would have got paid in, in London. It's a bit of a problem, I think, because they, the venue owners expect you to do your jobs, 
meaning playing a gig that's doing your job yeah they also expect you to bring people yeah to they see expect you, you to. those people will pay the entry fee and they also spend the money in the bar and you also promote the show so you get more people and everything and then do your job as well yeah i mean I've and often, then you don't get paid as well. i've often wondered why they call themselves promoters because they're essentially making you do all the promotion that's the main thing that turned and not me to forget not that. to forget there are also good people up, up. yes of course I i'm mean, not i'm not meaning to suggest there isn't yeah i work with a girl yelena and she does some promotion for me and she always good in organizing she, she'll pay for the gig on and everything and well, uh, she she does a good that's good i mean and there are great promoters around absolutely i think it's a it's a culture though that's built up in the, in the in London mm. of this idea that you can get people to, to play for free. Mm. I've also known good promoters and good organisations and good people. I think it's a funny thing as well as a performer. My my personal feeling is I either want to get paid or I want there to be a good audience and a good vibe. Mm. I don't want to not get paid and have no audience mm. and have no good vibe to the gig. Like what I want to do is if I'm playing a night, I want to. I want to be programmed in a night where I make sense, where the next band isn't heavy metal and then the next band okay, isn't, yeah. you know, where audiences are going to come to hear the kind of music they want to hear. I don't mind not getting paid if I get that kind of a night, but, yeah. and, and, and I've, I've, I've certainly found it interesting mm, booking mm, for mm. Stand Up Tragedy mm. in that comedians have a, a complete expectation of payment, mm. like generally yeah. speaking. Okay. Musicians... They don't expect okay, to be paid. Yeah. And obviously I'm in an awkward position of not being able to pay people or I'm trying to pay people. I'm doing an Indiegogo campaign to try and pay the artists because I believe in paying the artists. Mm. But mm. I'm also trying to give them a platform yeah. to yeah. be seen by people. That's what I'm that's saying. What I'm so saying. You, you You've got to get you, something no, You're doing slightly it. different because you, you have this uh, amazing platform as Leicester Square Theatre. It's, yeah. it's slightly different to playing in the crappy bar. You know what I mean? That's it. Like Exactly. I like You've got to offer... You give, it, you give exposure. You give. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm trying to yeah, do. And and, and, and yeah. but I mean that's, that's as an artist, that's what I want. Like that's what I want from the London music scene. And maybe it's hard for them as well, though, because I don't think people care about live music as much as they used to. I don't think people are going out as much to see random bands. People go out to see. I still do. Yeah, you still do, and, and I mean, I'm sure lots of people do. I, I occasionally do, but, yeah, but I normally um, go to see my friends play. Hmm. Or I go to see, well, very rarely I go to see a really famous person, but if I've got the money to pay for that, like right. once a year. Yeah. But I, I don't go out and just go down to this music night that's got a good name for itself mm. and just catch a band. Because, I mean, I think it's to do with time constraints. Like, the less time people have, the more everything's available online. People mm. just get lazy. Right. I think that's, that's part yeah. of it. And the smoking ban keeps everybody outside as well. Have you, have you found that when you're playing a gig and everyone goes out for a cigarette when, when their mates band aren't on, so you don't necessarily have anybody in the audience? Being a singer, I think it's better than people don't, when, when people don't smoke. Hey, I, I agree with that. Indoors, it's, uh, you feel more comfortable, it's easier to sing. And it doesn't destroy your yeah, voice. exactly. <clears throat> I think people start smoking less, though. Yeah, uh, I think I think the smoking ban is probably working, yeah. I th but I do think it's had a slightly interesting influence so. on the way people experience right. gigs. Like, I agree. I'd like a situation where uh, the audience stayed regardless of whether mm. they wanted a cigarette or not. But they mm. that's not that's not realistic. They go mm. out, mm. especially if they've come to just see their mates' band. This is the, and this is the other problem with 
what you're saying. When the bands have to bring the people, mm. then the people are only loyal to the band. They're not loyal to the night. Like, if the promoters were getting the people yeah. to come okay. to a good yeah. night, so then people would be like, I'll see every band, yeah. I'll check things mm. out. And they'd have a different kind of relationship to it, I think. That's where the organisers losing the plot, and maybe even the owners. That's why I think that the, the whole structure has to be changed a little bit. For the people to be more interested in staying for the whole night and watching all of the acts. Yeah. Maybe it's in promotion, maybe it's in just uh, making it a more welcoming but some venues do that. Yeah, some definitely you can do. do sweets and you know, biscuits. Yeah, yeah. There's some great venues. I'm not. I mean, yeah, yeah that's, it's right. You're right. It's hard to get booked for the best venues, mm. but then it should be. I mean, that's the other thing. I, I think there's less quality control goes on because they mm. just think, does this band say they can bring fifty people? If they say they can, we'll book them. Mm. We won't really listen to their demo. We won't consider whether they fit mm. in a line. Okay, yeah, yeah. But so it goes. I mean, I'm certainly going, I'm trying to do like, I'm going the kind of online route now because I'm, I'm fed up of the gig scene, but give me a year off and I'll, I'll get, I'll probably, a couple of years off and I'll probably get right back into the gig scene because I did, I did That's love cool. it. I did a lot of gigs. How would you describe the music that you make? Okay. That's, that's, that's probably the toughest question I've ever It's a hard uh, one, yeah. it's, it's, it's always, I don't know, is it easy for you to describe your music? No. But people do ask, but, but you have to, don't you? That's right. That's, um, <laughs> it's, well, I tend to think of my music as pop music. Yeah. With some guitars and there's also some drums and keyboards, <laughs> maybe some synthesizers and everything. It's sort of like an alternative pop music. So kind of rock and pop mix. Yeah, but I, I, I don't like the word rock. Yeah, you know, I know what you mean <laughs> because it's not really rock as like rock. Yeah, yeah, it's not hard rock or anything. It's just. Um, we didn't mean like originally rock. It come, like rock came from rock and roll, and that's a little bit more of a kind of looser, kind of poppier yeah. idea, like it's the, the idea of moving cool. and rocking about. Like. Yeah, it's probably in the attitude. Some acoustic guitars, some electric guitars, some drums, some keyboards, some vocals. Um, I find it even hard to compare myself to any musicians, any music bands, especially in Britain. I can compare to some music bands, say in Russia, yeah. that I might sound a little bit like. Like there's a band called Mumi Troll. Okay. Uh, so they kind of invented rocker pops. That's what I'm claiming. Rocker, rock, rocker pops. Rock uh, pop. Yeah, I've seen that you yeah, use that. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm playing. When did you first get into music? Well, I always. Loved music, just listening to the music. I played in my first band uh, when I was 16, I think, or f 15 or 16. School, yeah. That's so did you start learning band. guitar? Yeah, just start learning guitar. Pretty much the same time as you started playing guitar? Pretty like, much, yeah. yeah. I think I was 15 when I first started playing guitar, but I've come to the realisation I'm never going to be a great guitarist. You know, I, I just learned it so that you I can try. Write. Yeah, that's I could try, but I but I, I recognise I kind of been doing it for 15 years and if mm. I haven't found it within myself to try and become a great guitarist, I'm probably not going to ever find that. I really just want to write songs, sing yeah. them, and I, I want to be good at what I do, but I don't want to stretch myself. Mm. <laughs> yeah, Whereas I think you're a much more, you know, did you practice every day, practice all the time? Well, not every day. Game. I try to practice as much as I can, especially when I'm preparing for a gig. But I'm not a uh, really good guitar player as well, I think. Because 
I can play guitar, I can also play a bit of keyboards and program drums and play a bit of bass and everything. Sing a little bit. Well. Yeah, I can do all of those things <laughs> so, yeah, in recording, but, but not in, not live, live. No, yeah, I can play. But you can do yeah. live, that's the difference. When I think of myself as I can play the guitar, and then I look at someone like Newton Faulkner, and I think, yeah. like, what, um, what the hell am I doing? So like, I, I wish to play like him, so I wouldn't have to use a loop pedal or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I never used to, never used to use a loop pedal, but I just ordered one right now, so I'm gonna become even more lazy. Yeah, just gonna record all the parts. Well, that's. I mean, as a solo artist, you need something to to allow you to have more instruments. And no, yeah, but yeah. still, I still when I look at someone like Newton Falkland yeah. again, I still feel it's uh, as if I'm cheating, in a way, because he's uh, he plays guitar and sounds like bass, the guitar and drums at the same time it's just amazing no I know what you mean I saw a guy yes. called uh, Jackie Levin back in the day he was just playing acoustically on his own but he had his foot mic'd up mm. so he was hitting the bass oh, yeah. with the, with his foot and he was on the on his guitar he was just making a whole drum kit just mm. with his fingernails on his guitar like he had lots of like it was well like his his acoustic guitar was mic'd up in lots of interesting ways and I was just like what the fuck is happening? How is he doing that? But I think everybody has that. I'm sure these people who we are, we see and we go, wow, they're we're never going to be that good. They they also see other people and and go, I'm never going to be as good as that. Yeah, yeah I think I've th just recently watched the show with Newton Faulkner. I'm talking about Newton Faulkner a lot. That's right. <laughs> and he was saying he thought he invented this idea of playing percussion and bass and guitar on a guitar but then he realized uh, there was somebody else that he was that was doing a lot better the same yeah. thing how he came to this he, i think he said he used to initially start playing keyboards and then he wasn't good enough and he got bored and then he stopped playing drums and he wasn't good enough and he got bored and then he stopped playing electric guitar and he didn't like it and then he picked up an acoustic guitar he said and everything came together now like he's drumming and playing like on a keyboard wow I mean that's an amazing skill. Uh, that's the thing. Like I think my own skill, if if there is, if I have any skill, is in in the actual writing of the songs. Mm. You know, like I'm not like music musically. I I, I can. I mean, I've got a very punk punk mm. kind of ethos. So it doesn't matter in a way the kind of music I'm making. It doesn't matter if it's mm. a little bit loose. Mm. But I'd love to be tight. I'd love to be a really right. skilled like be able to play lead and I, shit I, I like this. My attitude to like songwriting and playing is to be everything has to be really tight. Yeah. I love to be a lot more loose. You don't yeah, it's funny. <laughs> if I'm honest. If I'm honest with you, yes, so yeah. Because I'm I'm quite a perfectionist in a way. I will write a song until I get everything spot on. I can't just let go one little thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has to be perfect. And is it ever perfect? Until I get it perfect in my opinion. Until but, I see that it's perfect to me. But do you have a cut-off point? I've worked with lots of musicians who are perfectionists <laughs> and often it means that they never want to finish the bloody record. It's like, no, yeah, yeah, I've got to mix it more, I've got to mix it more. Like For me, I'm, I, can be, I can be a bit perfectionist, certainly in the production stage. But I'm like, right, this is the date that I'm releasing it, so it has to be finished by then and whatever it is then goes out. That's okay. exactly what I did with my last record. Was, uh, I did a six-track EP, mini LP. I gave myself two months 
on everything. So I've written the songs, written all the parts, I've played all the parts, recorded everything, and so I've done the whole record in two months, like from scratch. And uh, I think it was good, but right now I'm really unhappy about it because I think I could have spent a lot more time in production. I've done it like as if it's a band playing and they got together and like, let's write a song. Here we go. Yeah. Here's a song, here's another one. I could have done a lot more production in a way I could have made it more interesting. Now, are you tempted <clears throat> to go back to it? Anyway? That's what I'm doing right That's now. That's what you're doing now. I, I kind of let myself go. I'm not restricting myself on time. It has to be, I have to enjoy it and I have to, right now, I have to find a way of expressing myself and the production has to be exactly so I don't have to change or think about it at all that I should have played it a little bit different so I don't restrict myself with time but the cutoff point is when my friends start telling me so when are you going to release yeah, it yeah. I realise that well I have to release it now when I've got a mix and I've been listening to it and then I'm like okay everything is exactly right that's exactly how I like it that's perfect I'll hear it six months later and I'll be like Oh, I don't like that anymore. I really? don't like that. I want to change that bit. I want to change that bit. I can't ever be content with a final mix, which I, mm. I think makes me a little bit more kind of, I'll throw it out and see if people like it or not, because it's like, well, I'm never going to be happy with it. The only mm. way I can find out if it's successful is if an audience mm. responds to it, and if they like it, then it probably is successful. So do you ever come back to redoing songs, like to rewrite it? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I like to re-record, you know, like not... I don't come back and fiddle around with a mix. I go, let's no, take that what, song, I mean. rewrite, yeah, rewrite a section, so get it done with some different people, turn it on its head, mm. try it a different, completely different way. Okay, yeah. Because like some songs, like I've been living with some songs for, you know, 10, 15 years, I've been working with them and right. like come back to them and change them around. Like I sometimes worry I get into like I don't want to get stuck on a song and just to always be doing the same song in a different don't way. You, yeah, that, that's how I feel. I used to do. I, I used to do it. Right now, kind of, I taught myself that as soon as I release it, I have to let it go. I have to just move on to the next song. I know what you mean. I kind of like that idea as an idea, but I, I, I think what happens is I work on a song, then I leave it for a couple of years, and then I come back to it. Okay. I think it's to do with, it's like if I if if I released an album and it was a global success. Hmm. Then I wouldn't want to do those songs okay, again. Yeah, right. but, but 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 since the songs haven't got anywhere yet, okay. the, the temptation is like, well, that's a good song that I think will connect with the public. Maybe the next project will get me into a position where the public will hear mm. it. So yeah. I better do that song again because that's uh, my right. pop okay. song. That's yeah. the one that they're so gonna dig, you know. And then you, you can't, but you can't second you can't second guess which songs people are like as well. So there's a kind of futility in what mm. in what I'm doing. But I do try and write. You know, I try to write. I write. I write a lot of songs. Mm, I write new cool. songs, and I'm always trying to push myself mm. to do that. It's kind of a balance, though, isn't it, between quantity and quality? So mm. I, I don't want to write too many songs and have mm. loads of rubbish ones. I want to just like every song to be good. So, like, do you write a lot of songs, or do you write a f regular amount and craft them? Right. Tightly? Yeah. Because I had a, such a long break in songwriting and performing. How long? Uh, it was almost. Uh, seven years okay packed everything in in 2001 or 2002 how old were you <clears throat> 23 okay 20, 22 23 yeah I had some success early on in Latvia but I wasn't happy and then I moved to England uh, I did release a mini album again 
in 2005, but it was my old songs just re rewritten. Right. And I wasn't playing, I wasn't writing anything. It was just some rewriting. So I restart with the music again in 2009, early 2009. So I start writing and recording. Uh, within 12 months, I've written, I think, like 20, 25 songs. Did a lot or not. In 12 months, yeah, that's quite a lot, yeah. So that was my point of uh, just writing songs. And from that, I moved to in 2011 I moved more into writing working more not on the quantity but on the quality yeah so it doesn't mean that I start playing a song and like oh no that's crap I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna write it you have to still almost finish it like write the choruses and the verses and work on the middle eight but if you see it's not working you can stop there but you have to pretty much finish it yeah if you're just gonna write first verse and think like well this is not working you're never gonna move to better songs but because i used to obsess with how well the song structured and finished right now i don't do that anymore with the songs that i'm not completely happy with so i move on to the song and if i feel that it's better i work the song until the end i'll work it through right now i can kind of look back and think is this song better than i uh, recorded a year ago that's how I do yeah, yeah. If, if it's not better if it's the same I'm not going to finish working on it okay. only if it feels better I will f work on it okay that, that makes so sense to me myself to write a better song like this no that makes sense to me I always have to follow a song all the way through before I can see if it's better or worse mm -hmm. I guess but I think it would be good if I could throw, if I could go right that's not working as well as like always yeah better. but you can't let it go too early you have to kind of work on it still Oh yeah, but there there are certainly people I know who never never even start a song because they're like they start playing and then they're like oh I don't like that bit let's try another yeah, thing and you're like yeah. hang on we've been trying to write a song together and we've written nothing because we keep throwing away ideas you just got to grab one and, and and see if you can tease it out you have to pretty much finish the song but because the finishing the song is is, is the hardest part well it's the hardest and it's the easiest I mean I think that's that's the, that's the weirdest okay. thing is like when you finish a song <laughs> like writing a song. That's when the work begins, because then you've got to work out how you're going to record it, how it's going to sound when it's produced, and and sometimes you've got like when you write a song, you think it's one kind of song. Mm. By the time you've recorded it, it's you know it might be a reggae song uh, by the yeah, end, yeah. and you started yeah. off thinking it was a ballad, you know, and it, yeah, it can just yeah, move yeah, all yeah, around yeah, and yeah, shift. Yeah, yeah. Since the other instruments kicks in, yeah, mm. or or even like I don't know if you get like I've had experiences where I've got somebody else to sing my like a song that I've written and that's changed it in a, yeah. in a different way yeah, or yeah. or I, when we record it we record it at a different speed than I thought we were going to but it works better and then it changes and changes you know mm. but I'm increasingly trying to work with other people in terms of production because I get I, I feel like I do a certain thing in terms of production and I don't I don't I don't want to just keep repeating that. I want to hear what other people do with my songs and uh, see where they end up because mm. I know how a song that I produce is going to sound, but I don't know how a song mm. that somebody else produces is going to sound. Okay. You, you're doing all of it, aren't you? You're doing... At the moment, yes. That's what I was... I was uh, doing that for a, quite a few years. Yeah, well, I used to play in bands, but uh, I think my ego is too big. <laughs> Everybody just has to follow me. That's how I want the song done. It has to be done like this. But there's a lot no, of bands yeah. with somebody in that's in the bus. There's nothing wrong with being the bus. Uh, the other thing as well, that's what I was thinking. I was, I was thinking to maybe start in a band, but I'm glad I didn't do it until now. 
because my music changes all the time. Yeah. If I would have restricted myself to, say, a guitar player, keyboard player, drummer, and a bass player, I would have sounded as a band with a guitar player, drummer, bass player, keyboard player, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So I wouldn't, it would be hard to, say, start using some samples and bits and using like completely strange, bizarre sounds because you're restricting yourself with these musicians unless you obviously can afford session musicians. Yeah, that's the problem, isn't it? It's, it's, if, if you haven't got any money to pay yeah. and you're not going to get paid for gigs, yeah. Yeah. then you have, you to, have find, to expect for the people You have to, to give be, them something. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. And what they want often is, you know, quite reasonably, the opportunity to have a musical Express influence on, on, on yeah. how the music yeah. goes. Right. Yeah. It's not a bad thing, it's just how I feel about it. I didn't get to the stage where I'm completely happy with my production yet. I'm still kind of like scratching the surface, I think, still. I can kind of see the line, yeah. but I'm not sure where it's coming from yet. Not as yet. I think, I think I'm going to change quite a bit as well. Well, yeah, well, I think that's what making art's kind of about, like making music, mm. whatever it is, writing, just something else I do. It's always, it always changes. Mm. Like who you are changes, what, what you, how you feel about it changes. There's a lot of things on this list, but I don't think we're going to get to very many more of them because there's not very much time left. I guess because we've been talking about music, though, you've got written down on here the X Factor. So what are your thoughts on that, on the X Factor? Is it a good thing? Right, I'm going to embarrass myself. I've yeah. been on the X Factor twice. You've been on? I've been the, in, on the auditions for the X Factor oh, twice. Oh man, I keep wanting to do that. It's disgusting, don't do it. Why not? Basically, it's, it's not a, a talent show. It is not. It's just a TV show. It's a drama, yeah. They, it's I a mean, TV, it's a drama, it's yeah. a comedy. It's yeah, a, exactly. They cast it's, in it's, terms of personalities and how they're interacting. It's not a talent show because what you do to get on the X Factor, you have to go through a lot of audition stages. I think you have to go through about three, four stages before you get to like Simon Cowell. Last time I think I did in 2006, I lived in Cornwall then. I went for an audition in Bristol. So, yeah, and they just said, yeah, and unfortunately not. And that's, that's all they say. And the second time I did in uh, O2 in London, and same again. What they did is just find people that could entertain the crowd, and they put them through. Either you're really crap or you're really good. If you're good, but they kind of like, they can't make any drama out of it. Yeah, they're looking for certain personality <clears throat> traits. For those who wants to do the X Factor, if you want to find fame through being on telly, do it. If you want to find success and happiness through being a musician, don't do it. You're not going to find it through doing it X Factor. Yeah, I know what you mean. You, you have, do you have to sing covers? Uh, you can sing your own songs. Can you? Yeah. Because I've always wanted, me and my mate who do very strange uh, songs together, we, we used to be in a, a, a band called, well, a duo, a pop duo called The Middle Class Bastards. <laughs> or I always thought it would be funny for us to go an audition and just be as weird as fuck and see what would happen but I actually think it would be they either wouldn't put us through or if they put us through it would be the disastrous for us as people so I guess that's yeah you never know you never know I always think it would be funny. yeah what I'm saying is you have to go through this three four stages before you get to an actual audition and you have to sing a cappella and all shit yeah, like that's, that that's I think you can sneak in a guitar or something they don't frown upon it that's like fine it, in my head what happens is the judges are all there and me and him turn up with like a 
like a backing electro backing track and sing a song about I guess how ridiculous the X Factor is and then like no you get just one, one you know, person in front of exactly you. <laughs> in my head it's like a, a, I'm I'm directing a film that, okay. that where we become excellent stars through the X Factor but of course that's not how it works in real life and anyway I don't really want to be a star mm. like what what made you want to go on the X Factor I mean what what is it just like, did you think that if you... Friends? It was like, oh, you, you're so good, you should go on the X-Factor. It was like, I really don't want to go on the X-Factor. No, you should try. Okay. It's hard to be a rock star on the X-Factor, I should imagine. Or not a rock no. star. Like, again, you don't like rock, as a word. No, I like rock. Everyone plays. Like, it's like, you can't... Like, there's no... You don't see... Not, like, I think it was Darius or someone, he played a guitar, but very few of them play mm. instruments on that. We try and get through all of these, actually, because <laughs> I, I like them. And we, but we'll, it'll be a bit more quick fire than oh, really? than, than the show Ooh. normally is, I guess. So football, you said you were a fan of football. Huge fan. And you put human behaviour at football games. What does that mean? Why why have you put that down? Okay, I'm not sure why I put that down. <laughs> <laughs> that always happens when people make lists. They go, Hang on, what? Yeah, I, I think I was probably just trying to be really smart. I think football is kind of a it's kind of like a stress relief right it's not just a sport to watch when you go to a football game you you want to shout and you want to scream and you want to be happy and upset and everything it's it I'm against racism and everything and I'm against people chatting like taunting like racist chants or whatever at football but I think well people in football people should be allowed to be rude tribal in, like tribal like yeah. misbehave in the way not being racially abusive but like say oh you're a you know wanker whatever in a way and swear at the referee that's fine when it happens during the football game I support I actually support that it's kind of like a it's, it's, it's a stress relief but as soon as the game finishes, that's it. I don't think this should be taken to you on like Twitter and Facebook, and you should be stalking referees afterwards. Yeah, that's kind that's of what I mean. You know, going too far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But during the game, I think you should let it go. So I mean, it, well, yeah, I, I think if it's a certain, it's a communal experience mm, where you're exactly. yeah you getting be part out. of the crowd, and it's cathartic, I guess. You you kind of go there, you get all of your frustrations mm. out in a safe environment that doesn't harm anybody else and then you, you yeah. leave it leave it there that's what you're suggesting who do you support what team I support Chelsea Chelsea are they in the they're in the Premier League they are in the Premier League oh good well, they're I'm top of the you. league they're really not though they're not they're all, no they're struggling well we'll see <laughs> I find football really hard to relate to but I try because lots of my friends like sure. it and all the kids everywhere I go like because oh, I work with kids they the kids always support Arsenal or Tottenham, okay. so I have to at least be able to kind of <coughs> communicate with little boys about Arsenal and Tottenham. Mm. Uh, Spurs. See, I, I even know it's called Spurs, but I, I, mm. I had a hard, like, I have a hard relationship with football because, I don't know, because I don't feel very welcomed into it. Like, I, I, didn't, I wasn't very masculine at school, I guess, and so I didn't feel like I was part right. of the football thing. But, uh... <laughs> A lot of my friends and family love it. Right, you've got 2012 as a Mayan prophecy. That's an interesting one. It's good that we're coming to it late. Because, uh, well, I don't know. Are you? 
Do you, why is that on the list? Do you believe that? I think we're all going to die. <laughs> well, eventually. Yeah. Not in 2012. Maybe some of us will die in 2012. You know, people die. No. I don't really believe believe that there was a prophecy in the way that this, the, the, the world is going to end. All the minds said in their calendar that it's just going to be the end of some period and we're just going to go into a different period. Okay. In a way, because I do follow all this, I do like almost research on all this Mayan and all previous civilizations yeah. sort of like that we had. Well, they're this very just interesting. interesting. Like Egyptian and all sorts. Aztecs. And <clears throat> yes. And, uh, but what I'm hoping for, I mean, I'm being honest, uh, I would love for it to be a change on the world. 21st of December, 2012, in kind of uh, people's perspective, maybe we'll start to think and care about each other more honestly. In a way, I would love for that to be a change. That would and, be good. You know what I mean? And we would become more social and uh, we would just care about each other more. That's what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm hoping would be the change that's going to happen. And do you think that it what, and you actually, but you actually think a, a change would happen on that day? Like, how would the, why? Wh- I'd love for that change to yeah, happen. I, I don't think I it love will it happen. That's what I'm saying. Really? You know, um, um, it's just a lot of people getting really paranoid about this date. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, I'm saying people should think that that's what's going to happen on that day. When are we going to be more nicer to each other? That well, that, that oh, day. so if, if if we can convince everybody that that's the change that's going to happen, yeah. then maybe that will we happen. We should try convincing people that we're just going to be better. You know, so I like that idea. Day. I like that idea a lot. When, if if everybody's going to be being weird about the idea that there was a prophecy made back in back in a lot back a long time ago, it would be really good to convince them that it was going to be a change for the better. Yeah. I mean, when I was a when I was a teenager, I remember reading a lot about Nostradamus's prophecies yeah. and stuff like this, and I think that part of reading about that stuff was, uh, well, partly I guess you. You're looking for there to be some answers, aren't you? And you kind of hope that there will be. But, but I think also it, it is that. It's the, the sense that if things are predicted, then if there's change that's predicted, then maybe that means it will happen. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I guess as a teenager, I felt like there mm-hmm. wasn't going to be any change happening anytime soon when I looked at the world. <sighs> and I was right. There hasn't been very much change or not. Things haven't changed in a big way things have just gradually got worse and worse in, <laughs> in my view okay in, when i look at the, well, think, the world but we can't really predict anything though can yeah. we i mean do you really i mean that's the thing like i mean i i was interested in like peaked my interest was peaked by nostradamus his prophecies i like when i was 14 but i don't think i ever believed that a guy can just work out what's going to happen in the future I can predict stuff. Yeah, we can. Honestly, I can predict that I'm going to have a sip of water right now. Yeah, but you could. Well, yeah, but that's predicting that you're going to have a sip of water is a. You you work that out from what you see, but I don't think that the Mayan civilization could predict what's going to happen in 2012 because they didn't have any any comprehension of technological changes and 
like everything that's happened to the world since then. And this is the same with Nostradamus mm-hmm. when people are saying, oh, that thing in this book means this thing. You're like, well, probably it doesn't. Uh, this, is a, this is a new story. This is completely, this is going to be completely different because I, I do believe there was, there were a previous civilization on the earth before the human civilization. I'm not saying it was an alien civilization. Okay. It was a, a more advanced civilization before. Some call them, what's it? The Atlantis, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, doesn't matter whatever you call them. Um, I think, and it's just personally, my personal opinion, mm-hmm. an opinion of some other people that also, I don't like the word believe. Yeah. I see the facts as how I ba- base my uh, uh, theory on. There's just that, there's, there's, if I'm honest with you, there's, there's plenty of proof for that there was a civilization before the human race, or it could have been a human race, but slightly a lot more advanced than we are right now. But what? Well, where's, the, where's proof. the proof? There's there's proof actually in the in in the buildings. Mostly, what we have right now from the civilization that I think was there is the uh, the stone buildings that we have. We talk about pyramids. We're not talking about all pyramids. No. If, if we, we're just going to cut to the Egyptian pyramids, because there's, there's pyramids all over the world. If we're just going to take down to pyramids in Egypt, there's I think there's what there's something like 180 pyramids in Egypt. Okay. And uh, um, they all, uh, most of them are uh, built in very primitive way. But there are a few pyramids, like three pyramids in um, Giza Plateau, uh, the Great Pyramid and the other two, I don't remember the name, sorry. Uh, there's a there's a Red Pyramid of Dashur and there's a Medum Pyramid, so-called Pyramid. It's not even a pyramid, it's more like a um, high-rating building. Um, the way that they were built and how they were built is uh, impossible to now. Uh, some stones weight um, <coughs> I might might be not correct with the number. Some stones weight up till uh, something like fifty thousand tons, and there are some stones. I think it's not in Egyptian pyramids that up to thousand thousand tons. Okay. Hang on. So, so I'm, I'm wrong with that. So like five hundred. So if they weren't transported uh, by are, slaves and... Uh, nah, that's, 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 that's pretty much impossible to move them at all. Right. What would have moved them then? I mean, that's, that's, what, that's where the, the, more, the more advanced civilization would have to do. The other thing as well, it's well, not what, just the what, weight what of the stone. What would the more advanced civilization have had to move them? You mean like they would have had technology? They would have had... Um, yeah, technology. Okay. What you mean? Right now... In the world, there's only about two or three. Is it cranes? Uh, yeah, crane is a word for uh, for a machine that, that picks things up. They can move yeah. a, a stone that are heavier as two hundred tons or three hundred tons. Yeah. So they would have uh, blocks that are heavier than that. So you have to think that somebody was able to move them. So what are you, are you suggesting that the there civilization are, was very very strong? More, more people no, or more. they had technology they had technology and where did that technology go well if most of the technology was made out of metal yeah uh, it's just rust 
Well, yeah, because but it's unlikely that all, there wouldn't all, be all, some all, evidence I've, for... I've, no, uh, if... if, if uh, all the metal will rust in, I don't know, how, how quickly, but definitely in a, in a couple of thousand years. And what happened to that civilization? Uh, uh, that, I don't know, it could be wiped off the earth with a with a flood, it could have just uh, became uh, more stupid uh, and went down the wrong way. Yeah, I mean, anything I guess, could have happened. I mean, I'm saying did that civilization exist at the same time as the uh, the creatures that we know existed, like the dinosaurs? No, we're talking about we're talking about the twelve thousand years, twenty thousand years. We're not talking about billions of years. Okay. So it existed at the same time as we existed? Yeah, it could have coexisted with us. But we were at the stage that we were unable to understand them. So, like, in a similar way that Neanderthals and uh, human beings existed at the same time and then Neanderthals ran out Somewhere from died out, this, this other creatures. And, and were they descended from... Well, I don't know where they descended from. Primates, not, so you don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not going in that alien stuff or anything. I'm just saying that there's a possibility, and there's uh, there's, there's, there's there's there is some evidence of it. That's I all, think it's that's an interesting idea, on. and I'm sure that there are are some unexplained things in the world, but I, I'm not sure. Well, I, I would have to look that's, into it. That's my personal point of view yeah 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 I'm not no, I'm not knocking you for having we a we can talk about it in depth different later, opinions it's just a yeah yeah it's, it's always interesting to hear different people's ideas about the world if we talk about it in depth I can prepare properly for yeah that. exactly you can get like all of the all of the articles and stuff yeah. to read I'm, I never can bring myself to be bothered though to read <laughs> stuff that I initially think is unlikely because it just it seems like a, a lot of reading like a lot of there's a lot of conspiracy theories that people give and they're like they're, and they say things like you know read about it and you'll definitely see that it's right and I, I'm, I'm not against scepticism like I I don't want to completely write off every conspiracy theory or every theory because you know who, who am I to say what's right and wrong? But yeah. I can never be bothered to read up about oh, yeah. about, about stuff that that seems initially unlikely to me. The last thing that I ask people is: Is there anything that you want to plug? Check out my website. <laughs> Find me on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, Facebook.com/slash Anton Frank Music. Or oh, find me or follow me on Twitter. It's uh, at Anton Frank. Yep. And uh, your music's there? Oh yeah, all of my music there. Everything can be downloaded for completely free. Completely, everything for free. Just, just look me up. And uh, yeah, I'm right now I'm recording new songs, doing the production. So look out, it's going to be amazing. Wicked. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing it and. Uh, Thanks for thanks. It's been a pleasure getting better acquainted to you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure getting better acquainted with you. I'm getting my words all in the wrong order. And the last thing I ask people is, would you like to say goodbye to the audience? Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Because this is my show, I have the luxury of clarifying things if I want to. I'd just like to clarify a couple of things from this episode. First of all. I have never actually seen an episode of The X Factor. I have read a lot of media about The X Factor and have heard a lot of people talking about The X Factor on TV and on radio, but I've actually never seen an episode of The X Factor. 
The other thing I'd like to clarify is that I used a kind of strange phrase a couple of times near the end of the show. But I can never be bothered to read up about stuff that seems initially unlikely. I was trying to be respectful to Anton's belief. And in doing so, I slightly misrepresented my own. I don't think that conspiracy theory culture is very useful. I think it's distracting from reality. And I didn't represent that very well. Hope this waffle hasn't been too annoying. Hope you enjoyed the show. You can find Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter, at GBA Podcast. You can find it on Facebook. It's Getting Better Acquainted. Have a search on Facebook and like it. Or you can find it on the website, www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk. You can also subscribe by searching on iTunes and subscribing to us that way. And on the Stitcher Smart Radio app that you can download for your smartphone from stitcher.com or through the App Store. There are lots of ways to get better acquainted.